It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Joe Rowles. And I'm Jeff Essery. Wanted to thank you guys for listening, uh, as always. And a quick reminder that if you have any questions or anything you want us to discuss, to let us know at Cover2Broncos, at Jeffrey Essery, or at JoeRoad underscore NFL on Twitter. Um, yeah, today we're kind of looking at linebacker, because uh, dating back to the 1980s, Big Fangio's defenses have kind of been known for players like Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Sam Mills, Danny Trevathan, Bon Johnson. We can't really pass the opportunity to talk about them before the season because I do think linebackers are going to be an instrumental part to what happens to the Broncos' defense this year. That's There's the most continuity on that unit going from last year to this year, and they're getting chubbed back from injury. So it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah, and it's kind of a continuation of the conversation that we've been kind of drawing out over the last two months because all the different things keep popping up and we've, we talk about them as they come, right? But we started this journey a while back of really breaking down Big Fangio's defense and looking at each of the different position groups. If you've been listening for a little bit, you've seen us go through the defensive line. We've talked secondary. We talked defense as a whole. And so wanted to really hone in on the linebackers like Joe mentioned, and I think it is an interesting thing, particularly as it relates to Vic Fangio and um, the talent that he's had at the linebacker position and really the success that he's had from that group as well. And, you know, just even recently in 2018 with the Bears, they had such a nasty group there that was in, incredible for that defense. And so um, it should be fun. It, and going back to the Bears too, one thing, one thing I think is really interesting about how the the 2018 Bears really transformed on defense is the fact that they traded for Mac, and just that addition of Mac. There's there's some parallels, and again, I'm not saying Bradley Chubb's going to be Khalil Mack 2018, but getting a pass rusher added back to the linebacker group that they already had, and the the, the breakout from Johnson last year. So I'm I'm really excited to see kind of how Chubb transforms from la like last year, what we saw him last. And then also that how that affects Vaughn, because I think that'll help Vaughn Miller in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we can go ahead and start there kind of on the outside. And we've talked a little bit about pass rush already when we had hit the defensive line, but to specifically like hone in on the, the edge guys and the outside linebackers, I do think it is, um, it's one of the position groups that I'm the most hopeful about kind of like we were at the beginning of the season last year before Bradley Chubb's injury. And I think you and I were some of the um, largest supporters for that group and the defense, even through that four game sack drop as well. Um, when everybody was kind of up in arms about them not getting sacks, what's going on as Von Miller hit a wall, all of this stuff. And I mean, you and I were talking about it as we were going through the season, like we were watching the tape, like this is good stuff. Like they're putting really good stuff on tape and, Bradley Chubb was looking good. I mean, if you look at even like if even if you just want to use the numbers perspective, like nobody else had even close to the same amount of um, pressures per pass rush as Von Miller on the team, and the closest person was Bradley Chubb before he got hurt, and he was it was pretty similar to Von Miller's their pressure percentage, and so both of those guys were 
looking really good, even though the numbers didn't follow from a sack perspective. But if those first four games are any indication before Bradley Chubb's injury, and that was really before the defense kind of got humming too and all the different changes that were made with Mike Purcell and Alexander Johnson. So it'll be fun to see those two guys in the new look defense that eventually came out of the 2019 season carried forward into 2020. Well, I think there's there's a couple things from that to unpack too. Sacks are an overrated stat, and I love sacks. Like I love watching pass rushers. It's probably my favorite position to watch. But sacks aren't the end all be all, and if you're counting on that as the only barometer for a successful defense, you're not ever going to be really pleased. Uh, and that said, so I do think Von Miller and Bradley Chubb during those four games, they had a lot of moments where they were getting pressure. It just wasn't always working out for them where they could bring the quarterback down. And you wrote about this, and I, you and I discussed this quite a bit. There was also other parts at play to the struggles of the first four games of last year, and that's part of why Bradley Chubb and Von Miller couldn't get the quarterback down. And a big part of it was the secondary wasn't gelling yet. And again, we talked about that when we went over the secondary. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you definitely want to go back to listen about that. I don't want to take 30 minutes talking about that. But that ends up hurting the pass rush because they have less time to get to the quarterback. The other thing that happened is playing against a Mitch Trubisky, playing against like a car, those guys were really, really working to get the ball in their hands quickly. And that happened quite a bit. And that helped also to mitigate the pass rush. And then the other thing is, and, and I watched the Raiders games a ton. I've watched both of them now, I think five or six different times, just watching the pass rushers. John Gruen does a really, really good job of using his personnel to interfere with rush lanes. He'll, he'll move a tight end to kind of stretch Chubb out a little bit farther just to give Carr a little bit of time on a play that they know they're going to have that space to the pocket that way. Gruden does that. He's probably one of the, he's really underrated because Bronco fans, we like to make fun of the fact that he's Chucky. And again, I'm right there with you. Like he says some stuff that he's kind of a doofus, but when it comes to like actual game planning and his offensive vacuum, like there's a reason he got a 10 year, hundred million dollar deal. Like there's a reason the Raiders paid him. I listened um, to a, just on that note, actually, I list, I was just listening to a, um, deep dive interview with Kyle Shanahan. Um, it was Chris Sims podcast. Uh, it's a great interview. If you haven't checked it out, go, go check it out. It's on, it came out, I think two weeks ago. Um, but Kyle Shanahan, he worked for John Gruden for a little bit and he was talking about when he came over, um, he was, had only really just worked with his dad and known his dad's offenses and they were all very like basic and simple. And then he said, John Gruden just had like, such offensive knowledge and ran everything under the sun and all these packages and everything. And he said it was just crazy. Like his mind was blown when he started working for John Gruden. Um, and obviously there is a beauty and the simplicity to the other side. And um, Shanahan actually talks about how he kind of married those two together. But to your point, I think John Gruden is a very underrated as much as, you know, as it pains me to praise a Raiders coach. Um, he is an underrated guy, particularly on the offensive side from a coaching perspective. And it's really given Denver fits when, since he's been there. Mm -hmm. But, but, and I just think those, that, and then, like I said, the, the secondary issues both really were a part of the pass rush as a whole, just not getting home as often as you expected. And then of course, Bradley Chubb kind of had that, the game against the Jaguars, but he also happened to get hurt in that game. And that kind of derailed like any sort of breakout that he could have had from there. I think we, and I would love to chart this at some point, one of these days when I have some time, I'm going to sit down and um, chart it. But it actually, the conversation came up when I, we were talking tackles the other day, just about how many actual, 
like true pass sets mm-hmm. people take from a tackle perspective. And it got me thinking on the other side, just like that translates into true pass rush opportunities. And obviously you need to generate a rush no matter what, right? So you're not always just waiting for third down and eight. Like that's the premier time to rush. But I think we we take for granted like how little of those opportunities were there in the beginning of the season. I agree. Um, I don't need to pull the numbers to to verify, but I know we looked at it at, at the time. Um, but like that's a big deal, and in certain games, like depending on the flow of the game and if they're picking up first downs early on in the like in the downs you're just not getting a lot of those third and long opportunities. And so the true rush opportunities for these edge rushers are a lot fewer and further between. And, you know, you can make the case that they need to get pressure no matter what, which is true, but from like a responsibility standpoint, and this kind of gets us into the next piece of the, the puzzle with outside linebackers is your first and second down, depending on the call. And if you're in base packages, they've got a lot on their plate. They're potentially, um, you know, they're, they've got coverage responsibilities, they're blocking, you know, they're um, taking on blocks and all kinds of stuff. And so they're not focused necessarily on rushing. And, and you can't be, uh, and you, I, I noticed that I watched, I was watching Vaughn is the fact that there's many plays where he ends up having to be the backside contain, or he ends up having to be the force player. And because of that stuff, like when you have to respect the running game, opposing offenses can run play action or they can run like an extra blocker at you that'll end up looking like they're setting up to run at you. And what that does is it helps interfere with the pass rush and good coaches will use that. And that's one of those things that Shanahan and honestly Gruden does really, really well is they don't make it easy for you to rush the passer. It's too easy as a box score scout to just say, Oh, he didn't, like, like, and again, this is drilling down on Von Miller. Von Miller didn't get 10 sacks last year. Last year was a failure and people will do that. And I, I get it. But at the same time, you can't ignore all the mitigating factors that go into it. The fact that, again, he was missing Bradley Chubb. The Broncos outside of Bradley Chubb just didn't have another pass rusher on the level to demand attention away from Vaughn. So what ended up happening is he ended up being the one that was drawing all the extra slides and the extra attention from blockers. And it was requiring other players to make the most of those opportunities. And when it worked, you had like Shelby Harris's Vikings game or you had Draymond Jones against the Lions. And when it didn't work, you had the second half of the Vikings game where all of a sudden the Vikings just got to, it was a shooting gallery. And part of that is, yeah, Von Miller didn't get there at times, but also part of it was he was drawing two or three tight ends to take him out of plays on shot plays where Kirk Cousins just, no one got to Kirk Cousins. They kept seven people in the block. Yeah. And, you know, for all the qualifications that, will make on Von Miller's numbers, he actually had really good numbers too. If you look at the pressure stats, which is the overall thing that, you know, that we talk about as being important for edge rushers is the amount of pressure that you're putting on the quarterback, particularly because, and some people say, no, it doesn't matter. You have to get there. You can't just put pressure. Okay. Go look at stats from certain quarterbacks um, and some do better than others. But if you, you look at like quarterbacks win blitzed or quarterbacks under pressure, the advanced stats of QBs when they're under pressure versus when they're not, it makes an absolute impact on, I mean, sometimes it's 20 points of passer rating that being under pressure affects the quarterback. And so you're doing that at a lot more consistent basis than just, you know, the pocket loss contain and, 
there was it was a coverage sack or something, and now you've got a you've notched a sack. And so if you look at Von Miller's numbers from a pressure perspective, he finished top six in the NFL, and he was the only pass rusher on the team. He was he's top six in the NFL in total pressures. He was top six in pressure rate as well. And he was the only person with a double digit pressure rate. He had about a 15% pressure rate on um, the Broncos. And the next closest had a 7% besides Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb had like, he had a 11 or 12. No, I mean, he may have 13. Um, but he had a double digit pressure rate, but it was just the first five games. But the rest of the team had the closest, the next closest was a 7% pressure rate. And so Vaughn was getting zero help. And then also still posted really, really good numbers in line with some of the top pass rushers from a pressure rate perspective. And so and and the tape bears that out, too. Right. And so you pick whichever pick whichever story you want to tell, which with 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 whatever medium, except for the sack numbers and everything else will point you to the direction that Von Miller is still an absolutely elite player and had a great season last year. And I know that's not even the top, like necessarily the topic of the podcast, but we kind of no, that a little bit. Ha- but- I, I just, I just think it has to be said. So, feel free to disagree. Feel free to to call for trading Von Miller, but I can tell you, I watch a lot of Broncos defense. I know Jeff watches a lot of Broncos defense. Cover two Broncos is very strongly in the Von Miller is still very much elite. Uh, we are gonna plant our flag on that. And I think we feel comfortable taking that into this year. I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty good hill to die on of all the different I, of all the different controversies showing up in Broncos country. I pretty I feel pretty comfortable on that one. Again, if if something changes, I'll I'll be the first to let you know. Like, oh no, what happened? But I don't think I don't think Von Miller's lost a step yet. I think he's definitely still a Hall of Fame edge rusher. So, so that um, goes to a question then that I know we'll get and we have gotten before. Um, and it kind of died down, I guess, throughout the season, but particularly early on with Vic Fangio's defense. And I warned of this coming and tried to put an article out there to folks pre, uh, b- before a game, before all the angry comments came in. And it still didn't work. But, okay, if Von Miller's that good then, if Bradley Chubb's that good at pass rushing, why the heck are they dropping into coverage then like Vic Fangio has them doing? I think Vic Fangio drops players into coverage because he actually doesn't want to have a good defense. And he actually is just trying to let the other team score on every drive. 30, 30 years of, of defensive coaching in the NFL. That's what he's, this is, that's this what is, he's this gotten is, to. Yeah. This has been his lifelong goal to trick people into hiring him to be the head coach just so he can actually intentionally throw games by dropping Von Miller into coverage. <laughs> That's that's what it sounds like when people are trying to say, "Oh my God, Big Fangio dropped somebody into coverage." Think about it. Like this man has studied defense. Like, the reason you drop a player into coverage like that is Vic Fangio believes in the philosophy of getting pressure with as few rushing as he can. So what he wants is he wants safe pressure. So Vic Fangio is not going to do the Madden engage eight play. Like he's not going to send every single person after the quarterback just because then you're not protected. That's the most important part. Coverage and the pass trust work hand in hand. So if you're not sound in coverage, you're, you doesn't matter how many people you send because the quarterback's going to be able to throw it to somebody. Yeah, so, and I think, th- and this is the thing that people um, need to understand about just the alignment that Denver plays when you're playing with, and you know, call it three four four three under whatever. When you're playing with 
the personnel package that Vic Fangio runs in a base, in quotation marks, look uh, with three down linemen in the front and two edge guys outside linebackers, that's just you just do the math and you know one of them is going to have to drop. I mean, every team in the in the NFL does this. And you take a team like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a like more popular 4-3 team, like the Cowboys or something. They just don't have an edge rusher, like premier like edge rusher on that side who's playing linebacker on, on that side. They'll just have like a normal linebacker or the Panthers or something back when the Panthers had that great like 4-3 defense. They would just have a normal linebacker there, and he's the guy that he's playing edge contain. He's dropping into coverage at times. He's playing the run. He, you know he's doing just normal linebacker duties. And so you have to have that in a base three, four defense. You can't run, you can't rush five people every time. Four man, a four man rush is the standard across the NFL. You just do the math. One of them is going to have to drop occasionally into coverage. If you're in base packages, which you're in base packages less than 50% of the time. And probably half of that you're running. And so you're really not talking about a lot of snaps that these guys are dropping and back that much. And I do know that Von Miller dropped more in coverage last year than he did in previous years under Vance Joseph. But I do think it's worth noting that Vance Joseph also tended to stick in base personnel. And he also sent five a lot using both the edges. Uh, So that is a difference between the Vance Joseph defense and the Vic Fangio defenses is that Vic Fangio, a lot of times, if he's bringing a nickel as a blitzer or if he's bringing an off-ball backer as a blitzer, what he'll do, instead of sending five, he'll drop one of the edge guys because better to send, better to drop an edge player, like Von Miller, is more athletic in space and probably going to do a better job in space covering somebody than Mike Purcell. Like, you don't want Mike Purcell dropping in coverage. That's probably not a good idea. Um, I know Dick LeBeau did it for a while, but I don't necessarily think that you should do that in today's NFL. And that's also, and this gets us into when we talk coverage for Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson, once we move into the inside pieces, like the kind of coverage dropping that we're talking with these guys. And like somebody can check me on this. Like I've watched a lot of the tape, but maybe I've missed one or two, but I don't remember any dropping coverage that Von Miller or Bradley Chubb had or Malik Reed, any of those guys that were on the outside where they were carrying anybody past 10 yards. Like I did a piece. So the piece I did on this at the very beginning of the season, Vic Fangio typically always, because he plays too high, um, he's usually always capping his overhangs with a safety, which is what you, particularly if you have a guy like, you know, an edge guy in coverage, you're going to want to cap them with a safety and he's just passing it off. So he's playing underneath zone and he's carrying them to the safety or pushing them to the corner or something like that. Now you can contrast that with Vance Joseph's defense. They played a three, four, same as Vic Fangio. And so on some base packages, you had Von Miller in man coverage on tight ends. If they were rushing four. he's, he's, if they're playing heavy man, you at times had Von Miller running down the field with running backs or carrying a tight end all the way down where he's responsible for him. I remember a play on the goal line where he was responsible for Rob Gronkowski. Von Miller was, and you know, everybody was up in arms and were super upset and like, it just happens. So you hit when you play base a base three, four, those guys are going to have to occasionally 
drop into drop into coverage. I'd rather have them drop into a short, shallow zone than carrying a number one receiver down the down the field. And so, one thing philosophically, I think that's worth just touching on, and I and I touched on this a little bit when I talked about Bradley Chubb uh, for Gift Horse, is the idea that one of the reasons that you do drop an edge rusher in a three four is when you have a player like Von Miller, even if Von Miller is not coming, like if he looks like he's rushing at the uh, at the snap, what ends up happening is the offensive line will, like, they'll account for him. So the protection ends up accounting for Von Miller, who's not coming. So what that does a lot of times, if you're sending something from somewhere else, it gives an opportunity for that other rusher to potentially get home or cause havoc. The other thing that happens is if a quarterback sees Von, thinks he's dropping, then he gets the ball, drops back, He's not looking for Von Miller immediately in space. Initial, his first thought is going to be Von Miller is coming. So there's an opportunity for him to clog a passing lane that a quarterback did not anticipate being clogged. And that's that's why you do it. Um, it buys other players time, and it, uh, it helps everybody. It's a Defense is a collective effort. And one of the things I learned when I was doing this scouting academy is just Dan Hatman really pressed on me this idea that on offense, role players can specialize because you can take a receiver who only runs vertical routes off the field. On defense, everybody has to be able to do at least a little bit of everything because if you don't do that, opposing offensive coordinators are too good, and what they're going to do is they're going to isolate the, th- the players that can't do things and force them to do the things they can't do. Von Miller is capable of dropping in coverage and playing in space on occasion, and Vic Fangio uses that to his advantage. I'm okay with it. I, I get, like, again, the Packers game. The Packers game is the one that really comes to my mind. The Broncos were facing third and long. They dropped Vaughn in coverage, and because of it, they didn't get any pressure. And Aaron Rodgers was able to convert a third and long. And that was the game that I remember everyone on Twitter blowing, just going crazy about. And I was upset too, but that happens. Uh, later in the same game, they faced another third and long, and they forced a three and out because Vaughn Miller didn't rush the passer, but they accounted for him rushing the passer. Yeah, and some of that too was just Big Fangio was – and I think a lot of it was early on in the season too. Um, I'd have to go back and look and see like exactly if he, if he changed a ton during the, during the back half of the season, I'm not re- recalling right away, but um, he was pretty cautious a lot of times. And that's, that's some of just what big Fangio does. He's a, he's a decently conservative play caller, particularly on like really long third downs. He's going to drop eight sometimes and just rush yep. three and just play coverage and flood flood the zones and everybody rally up up to the ball where that bit them sometimes. And when I'm thinking specifically about the Chicago game, um, it will happen in the Jacksonville game too, where they let these massive plays go by when they did that is um, one, the quarterbacks just were able to run around, you know, they made a, made a big time play, but then guys were, missing their assignments and there was confusion in the secondary and stuff. And so dropping eight when two guys are covering the wrong area isn't super helpful, but it doesn't mean dropping eight's not a good strategy. Maybe there's, there's an argument to be made that you can be a little bit more aggressive or don't have to be as conservative, but that just is what it is. He did that with the Chicago bears too. I remember them playing against, um, is the, I think it was the Rams game where they absolutely annihilated the Rams. I mean, he, he, changed up a lot of um he threw a lot of change-ups in there in terms of like being really aggressive and sent some blitzes but then there were times where he just sat back and dropped eight and the rams still didn't know what to do they either had to dump it down or things like that because a lot of their um combos that they were trying to get in the secondary weren't there because it was all covered and so 
you know, that's just kind of the, the cat and mouse game you play from a coaching perspective. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I also don't mind giving Von Miller a rest occasionally as opposed to just running him into double teams constantly on the edge. Let him sit back and cover a, a short hook zone on a second down occasionally and give him a breather while he's on the field. I'm okay with that. And I think the, I think Vaughn Miller, I'm more comfortable with Bradley Chubb is a guy that I think is going to have to improve a little bit in that area, particularly in the Raiders game. I saw him a little bit struggle in space um, and like understanding some of the concepts in zone coverage, but I think he'll get there. Again, that was his first year kind of doing that primarily. This is based off just the four games I've watched of Chubb. And so I can't necessarily say with like, he may very well come out this year and prove me wrong, but I do wonder if Bradley Chubb is necessarily like a 10 out of 10 fit for the Vic Fangio defense, just because coming out of college, he was a defensive end. He wasn't dropping into space. Like that is a big change for him. And granted Von Miller hasn't dropped a lot either leading up to this last year, but Von Miller's also, he's a speed rusher. Like he, he's, his change of direction is better than Bradley Chubb's. At least, like, you look at the numbers, Bradley Chubb's change of direction ability, his agility, lateral agility, his that kind of stuff, it's not quite on the same level as Von Miller's. That said, I'm, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying Bradley Chubb's a bad player, but I, I don't know if he's necessarily the perfect fit for everything that Fangio does. That said, him coming back, um, one, and then this is, we've touched on this with the defensive line, his ability to transfer uh, speed to power and rush inside I think in a lot of ways that and then adding Darrell Casey to kind of like complement that is really going to make the pass rush kind of sing this year because you can send Chubb inside in a way that he's more disruptive inside than I think Vaughn is unless Vaughn really gets somebody cutting outside to like overcompensate for his speed. Um, Chubb can actually bang inside and really like cause havoc. And what you end up doing is sending either Draymond Jones or Darrell Casey kind of on a loop behind him. Both of those players have the kind of agility to do that and still get to the quarterback. And I think that's going to be really nice opposite of Bond. Yeah. And you can make the argument that Khalil Mack wasn't necessarily the best yep. scheme fit for Vic Fangio either. And he made it work and it was incredible because they're great players, you know, good coaches find ways to put great players in good position. And if you look at the charting or if you look at the numbers, Leonard Floyd dropped a ton more into coverage than Khalil Mack did. And the max they dropped anyway was probably I think 10 snaps a game, maybe. Um, and that's not even an average. I don't think they dropped 10 snaps a game every game. Um, yeah, I see. I think on the Vic Fangio, or, or like it was one of the early games I, I charted it. I think it was like seven was the max that Von Miller dropped. I, um, I could be wrong on some of that later on throughout the season, but I remember early on specifically paying attention to it. And so like – if Von Miller assumes that Leonard Floyd role where he's dropping a little bit more and Khalil, like Bradley Chubb takes the Khalil Mack role, I think that's fine too. Um, so Chubb doesn't have to do that as much if he's just not as comfortable. And Chubb's a bigger guy. I mean, you look at him next to – heck, I, I was watching some tape the other day um, on Demarcus Walker and looking at Bradley Chubb next to Demarcus Walker – there's no freaking way Demarcus Walker is an interior defensive lineman when he's standing next to Bradley Chubb. Chubb is massive compared to him, and he's supposed to be an edge guy compared to an interior defensive lineman. And that may say more about Demarcus Walker, but Chubb's a big guy, and so you know he he does he is going to have a little bit more limitations in space, um, and that's okay. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And and I do think that that's when when you hear people say that Bradley Chubb is kind of like taking on the Khalil Mack role, like you just said, that's that's one of the things that's really alluding to is that they're not going to ask Bradley Chubb to drop in space near as much as they will Vaughn. And I get that people get outraged, but again, I don't think I saw more than seven snaps a game. It might've been up to 10. I, again, I wasn't counting, but it wasn't often. And it tends to be situational based on like what else you're doing. So it's, it's not that they're like looking to drop bond and coverage. They're, they're, they're doing it as part of the play call to make the most of what they're doing with everyone else. So that's a long diatribe about like why dropping linebackers and coverage isn't the end of the world. But I think we have to touch on that just because that tends to be something that everyone gets mad about, but then we'd never actually really kind of explore it. So we have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and I also want to just caveat too, like that doesn't invalidate legitimate criticisms against Vic Fangio's maybe conservative play calling or the fact that he drops eight sometimes when he shouldn't or things like that. Um, like that, there's a legitimate arguments to be made there and that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. I think it's the, it's the irrational every time you see a guy dropping, you know, lighting it up on, on Twitter that we're trying to mitigate or at least, you know, helpfully educate a, a little bit of here's why you would do that. Doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it works every time and it's the best call every time, but that's just kind of the, uh, just kind of getting a feel for the thinking. So now that we, uh, Talked about the two players with probably the most excited for in the linebacker core. Let's talk about the inside linebackers. Yeah, and, and I think there's enough to be excited about there too. Obviously, there's not the um, kind of the pizzazz maybe of but, the Bradley of Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, but Alexander but, Johnson had a heck of a season last year. And you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. Um, the, the the continuity that they're bringing over, aside from Simmons and Kareem Jackson. You know, who they had, well, they probably had about the same time playing together because Jackson moved to safety right around the time Alexander Johnson came in at linebacker. So each of them, each of those duos have had about 12 games playing together. But that's a big deal for Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson, particularly Johnson, who was still trying to find his way through the defense and play linebacker in Vic Fangio's scheme where there's so many different checks and a lot of responsibility put on both the safeties and the linebackers kind of up the, those up the middle guys to make everything right. And a cog that fits into that coverage machine. I think the continuity that they'll bring is a really good thing this year. Agreed. And this is the first off season that Alexander Johnson will have the entire off season preparing to be a starter. And I think that makes a difference. And this is, in, in all reality, this is, his, this is his first time with the same coordinator from year to year in, in the NFL. And I think that's huge. And again, that's huge for every player. But the, the biggest thing I think that Alexander Johnson can improve on from last year to this year is that mental side of the game and kind of like figuring out this is a check like that I'm doing here. This is where I need to go. And there's subtle differences that where I need to coverage where you'll look at like his PFF grade. And I, and I went and looked at it because, again, his PFF grade is outstanding. I think it was like 88 which is really high for them. 
Um, and Ben Lindsay, actually, we had him on the show. He actually was saying that Alexander Johnson's a dark horse breakout candidate to be the best player of his position group this year. And the thing I think that will make the biggest change from last year to this year for him is I think the game can slow down for him and he can get more comfortable with what Vic Fangio calls and what he wants them to do. And then when he's dropping his face, like I said, there are times where he's kind of in position to make the play, but if he subtle, like if he moves like six inches to the right, like he can get his hand on a ball, like, and that kind of stuff will happen as you get more comfortable on defense and you see it like, and before the plays, there's definitely times where Alexander Johnson's kind of looking to somebody else on the defense to make the check. Todd Davis did a quite a bit. Um, I also saw Kareem Jackson doing it. There was a play where Will Parks was doing it. So that is something that I would think will happen less this year. Yeah. And I think while we're on the topic of, you know, you mentioned kind of nuances and zone coverage, I think the two things that I saw particularly with Johnson was, I mean, first he plays with his hair on fire and flies to the ball, which is a really good thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute too, of just like the, some of the skills that Vic Fangio is looking for. And that's certainly one of them in terms of breaking towards the ball, but it did come to bite him a little bit. And that's just the, that's kind of the nature of playing linebacker in the NFL. There's so many different, you know, gadgets and things and play actions and motions and all this stuff that offenses throw at you to, to get your eyes into a different place. I was just watching another um, piece from a, it was a great screen from Cleveland when they played the Browns who they did a fake toss to the right side and then came back and threw a wide receiver screen on the left side. And both Davis and Johnson just completely, you know, bid on the toss because you would expect them to They're That's what they're um, taught to do in terms of keying that. And maybe they didn't see that particular play on tape previously from Cleveland. But I think some of the over aggressiveness, but bit him a little bit, particularly on play action. And then the other is more of the kind of the subtle differences in zone coverage that you're talking about. I think particularly his drop depth was mm-hmm. something that can be dialed in. And then it felt like zone quarterbacks spacing. were able to widen him out a little bit at times where he didn't need to widen out. Like if, if he understands where his help is or and where the route combos are, he can stay tighter to that hash. And I think he got, he got bit a little bit inside a couple times where that's his responsibility, whether it's over the middle to a tight end on an in route or, you know, the, a, a deep square end from a receiver where the, the corner is passing him off to the linebacker and Johnson's a little bit too wide and isn't able to cut off that passing lane because just, just the quarterback's eyes widened him out or something. And there's really not a reason for him to do that. And so I think for him, there's little things like that that he can tighten up and be even better from a coverage perspective. And then let's talk about Todd Davis because so there, there's really two camps on Todd Davis. And you and I talked about this before, but if you go to Twitter right now, you'll see that either Todd Davis sucks or is type people that basically say he can't cover anybody. Watch Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. They'll never stop him until they get somebody instead of Todd Davis. And then there's the people that will say that no, Todd Davis is pretty good. Like he's underrated. I, I, I would say if I have to pick one of those two, I lean towards the second. But I do think that, as happens on Twitter, it just becomes too simplistic, and it's it's not an either-or type of thing. I do think Todd Davis is a good player, but that Todd Davis also brings definite limitations. Like I, I definitely think there's a reason the Broncos looked at and explored trading up to get Patrick Queen this year. 
And I do think that Todd Davis is not long for the Broncos in terms of this is probably the last year for him because I think they're going to try and get a player like Patrick Queen to play alongside Alexander Johnson. Yeah, that's an interesting storyline that kind of came up through the draft that we not a lot of people have explored a ton. And to me, it's a mix of obviously Todd Davis contract is up and he's being paid five ish million dollars this year. And so you would think to bring him back next year, you're at least going to have to pay him that potentially. Maybe he takes a little bit of a haircut to come back. But and we've documented the cap stuff that potentially goes into next year and where Denver sits and all of that. I don't think you're going to be paying. You're going to want to shell out another five million dollars to a Todd Davis if you can draft a guy. And so I think that part of that went into the the, the Queen um, conversation, but also it's a position that can be upgraded. And I'm with you on Todd Davis. I think he does a good job. I think he's a good fit for Vic Fangio's defense. I think he's smart and um, knows what he's doing, but he definitely has a ceiling. Yep. And I think he's at that ceiling. We saw that ceiling last year and that's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously you can continue to improve within the scheme and within the defense and because everybody was learning it last year. So I think the ceiling is, a little higher for everybody coming into next year, but athletically and just as a player, I think, you know, there's limitations that Todd Davis brings. And to me, it's not even necessarily in like what people typically think of when they think of coverage, you know, they, they think of Todd Davis being split out wide on Travis Kelsey, like Vance Joseph had him do when they were running man all the time. And the chiefs would just beat him up off the line. And let me just say, I, I'm right there with you on that. Like the people that hate that, I hated that. And, and <laughs> hey, everybody blaming, hated that. And, and I'm not necessarily blaming Todd Davis because I do think Todd Davis did an admirable job. And I do think Todd Davis athletically, his straight line speed is a, is a problem. His lateral mobility is fine. But I don't understand why as a coordinator you would put him on man coverage on Travis Kelsey. So I get that complaint. But as you're saying, he wasn't doing that a whole lot for Vic Fangio. Yeah, and that's just a, you know, like when you understand what Vic is asking his linebackers to do, it's it's similar to what we talked about with Vaughn Miller. Is the most of the time, unless the, depending on the call, unless it's like a three by one and they get caught, happen to carry like the three vertical or something like that, you're typically always going to have some type of safety help if you're carrying a guy deep. Um, you know, there may be some small, a few instances where you're taking a guy on a wheel route or something like that and, and you don't switch it. Um, and so I don't necessarily worry about like Johnson and Davis in coverage in those situations. I worry mm-hmm. more about them in like the flying to the, like going the sideline to sideline type stuff. Um, I, I saw a play recently where Davis was, um, following Nick Chubb out of the backfield in the Cleveland game. And it wasn't a bad play by Davis. He was in good position. It was, he was just a little bit slow to get there. And Chubb is just so athletic. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of the thing that most NFL linebackers run into when you have a superior athlete and a running back that you're having to cover. He just couldn't turn, he turned a corner on him too fast. And so yeah. it's those kind of things where they're kind of out on their own in the flats um, as opposed to like running down the field with a tight end that I worry more about. And that could be the tight end potentially depending on the 
the package and stuff, but I don't necessarily worry about them carrying somebody deep or lining up outside and having to cover Travis Kelsey on a fade route. It's more about them fitting within the coverage scheme and letting things go in that area. And and I think kind of tying to that, my biggest complaint about Todd Davis's coverage from everything I've seen from last year is I wish he was a little bit quicker breaking on the ball. Um, and again, that's something I think I could lay at Alexander Johnson as well. So I'm not saying either one of them is blameless, but I do think that that is one area where Patrick Queen would have represented an upgrade is those kind of plays just because moving in space, Patrick Queen looks like a defensive back. But again, not every, like there's a reason he's a first round player. Like it's hard to find linebackers who look like defensive backs in coverage. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that you know, people point to Todd Davis athletically. Like he's, he's somewhat limited athletically. And I think that's where it really shows up is just the explosiveness. Yeah downhill um like there's a play that i i found i think it was the chargers game where laterally he does a pretty good job i think the receiver he's covering the slot receiver over the middle and he's in like a middle zone and ends up having to pick him up he's pretty much one-on-one with him and he sticks with him pretty good even though even the receiver tries to shake him a little bit and he does his job um it was a catch but he held him below the the sticks on a third down he did his job he did a good job and so I'm not as worried about that kind of stuff. I'm more, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the little things like you're talking about. It's that explosiveness downhill where like right now it's adequate and you like want nothing's to be being, good. yeah. Like he's not, he's not blowing anything really in mm-hmm. coverage that I'm seeing. I mean, there's little things here and there, but it's, it's but, what it could be. It's yeah. kind of the, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, Raheem Moore is the worst example because of what everybody thinks of Raheem Moore for. But I, I almost liken it to like Raheem Moore before that play. When he played safety, like there wasn't anything besides that big play. Like it's like he was giving up stuff all the time, but he just wasn't. He wasn't like, making plays. Yeah, it was just average. Like it's, and, and then, then you then you upgrade the position to like a TJ Ward or um, Darian mm-hmm. Stewart when he first came in and started making plays. It's like, oh, this is what the position could be. Okay, and so I think that's what Denver looks at when they when you're trying to upgrade a guy like a Davis with a Patrick Queen um, is looking at I, what it could be. And I think that's why the Broncos kicked the tires on Joe Schobert as well, because he does represent the kind of player that would be better in those situations. The problem with a player like that, and this is one of the bigger reasons why I was so like vehemently opposed to him is the trade-off you're getting with a player like Schobert. You would have lost all the stuff that Todd Davis does bring to the table that I think Todd Davis makes him a good player because in terms of run defense and in terms of leveraging his gaps and then in terms of his mental acuity, like he was, he was kind of the, 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 the hub of the middle of the defense last year, he was the one making sure Alexander Johnson was in the right spot. And he was the one leveraging the inside gaps, especially when the defensive line at the end of the year, when the defensive line was just completely tattered, Todd Davis was a huge part of keeping that run defense, at least sort of passable. Um, you know, in the Lions game and the Texans game was ugly, but he was, he helped staunch the bleeding in the Texans game. Yeah. And outside of the, early stuff with the bears. I think the bears ran all over them a little bit. And then the Jaguars game, I think the Colts game, they cracked a hundred yards, but they were running like all the time as well. I think Jacoby Brissett got a lot of that too, from scrambling, if I remember correctly, but really, I mean, Denver's run defense was pretty stout throughout the entire year. 
mm-hmm. once they shored everything up and got Alexander Johnson in there. And so when, when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars game and the troubles that they had, I don't think any of that was on, if I remember correctly from watching the tape, but it wasn't on Todd, a guy like Todd Davis that was the issue. Um, and so once you had Davis and Johnson back there, like they, they were pretty good in the running game. That was one of their strengths, I think. It's diagnosing um, running plays in the backfield. Johnson was great. Both Johnson and Davis were great at shooting the gaps at times, like strategically choosing when to shoot the gaps and drop guys in the backfield for a loss. They're tough at taking on blocks. They're both big and tough in the, you know, kind of fighting in the trenches. And so um, I like them from that regard. But to your point, I think it's the, it's a passing league. Vic Fangio likes to play nickel a lot where he's, he's subbing, um, he's subbing less on the, on the linebacker spot where you're, you're not putting a third safety in there. You're keeping your linebackers in there like a true nickel as base. And so I think in that regard, I would really like to see, I mean, you look at what Roquan Smith did in Vic Fangio's defense in 2018. And I think that's really what Fangio mm-hmm. is looking for. I agree. And, and Roquan Smith was actually really good on slot receivers too. And that was the thing that became a strength for the bears during that, that run with him. And I do think that that's one of those reasons why I, I would say in terms of looking at the Broncos starting linebacker group right now, I feel very comfortable with it for 2020, but I do think in 2021, Denver will prioritize adding a linebacker to take Todd Davis's spot, unless one of the young players makes a huge jump. Um, on that note, because I, I think I think we have to address the depth, just because COVID makes it very likely that we're not going to see all four of these players for every game, and then injuries happen. So it's just I, I do think we have to talk about that a little bit. How do you feel about the Broncos' linebacker depth? It's it's like a lot of the positions on the team is there's some promise there, but it's unproven, particularly on the inside. On the outside, I'm less concerned because Malik Reed played a good amount of snaps last year. Um, I thought Justin Hollins looked pretty good. And, you know, who knows that he'll end up playing inside or more on the edge. But I thought he looked pretty good last year. And so I'm less worried about um, – the outside and more the inside because you've got a guy like Josie Jewell who I think has even more limitations than Todd Davis from an athletic perspective and then Jewell is a lot less instinctual at least from what I've seen when he played than a guy like Todd Davis and so if you're having to rely on like a Josie Jewell or something to fill the spot inside I don't feel super comfortable about that. I think Joe. I hate to bang on this because I've been I've been kind of like this since he was first drafted, but in a lot of ways, Josie Jewell is what the people that hate on Todd Davis, that's what Josie Jewell brings to the field right now. And maybe, again, maybe year two in the Vic Fangio defense kind of makes the light go on. All of a sudden, everything kind of irons itself out. But he was scary bad in coverage last year, and I don't think he's near as good as a run defender as Todd Davis is. So if he's the third linebacker, I'm a little concerned. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody pushes him out of that third linebacker spot. Yeah. And the guy to really do that, I think, is the fifth-round pick, Justin Strenad. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of a wild card because he's got a lot of potential, but it, it will all come down to – that's one of the things I do hate about the no preseason 
is you're not going to be able to see a guy like him kind of show what he can do, at least to the fans. I mean, the coaches will see it a little bit. But for linebackers, too, I mean, you, you're, you need those full game in, the, in pads, in the trenches reps to really develop. And so he's going to miss a little bit of that this year. I really wanted to see if Josh Watson took a year forward. Um, he had some moments in the preseason last year. Again, I'm very, I'm pretty conflicted. I hate watching preseason tape in terms of studying preseason tape. They never give us the all 22. So I, it takes me like four hours to watch a game pass version of the same game going backwards and forwards through commercials. But at the same time, without those reps, players like Josh Watson, or even if they were going to give Justin Hollins any more reps at inside backer, like I think he needed those reps. So not getting those does hurt the Broncos depth at linebacker quite a bit because there's really no substitute for doing the run fits in live action. Um, I think it might help a Joe Jones who he's, he's on a bubble. There's no guaranteed money on his deal, but at the same time he's played in games and he's been a special team standout. So like, you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. And so I think it's, I mean, I do think it is a lot of, particularly with this preseason being shortened. I think the the depth conversation is a little bit, um, particularly on the inside, it's a bit of a question mark. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I do think too, Jeremy Atatu is still on the roster, right? He hasn't been cut. Yes. Between he and Malik Ree, I mean, they were, they played, I think he played like 30 to 40% of snaps last year. Between the two of them, they each played, I think like 30 to 40% of the snaps last year. And, and so, Malik Reed's Malik playtime kind of started to die after the Buffalo Bills game. It started to shrink up a little bit because, and again, I noticed this when I was watching Von Miller against the Buffalo Bills. Malik Reed really kind of just hit the rookie wall against Josh Allen. Uh, he had a really pro, he had a really bad time containing him, and then he had a couple rushes where he just got way too deep and let Josh Allen just run up underneath him. And I think after that, they, they just felt more comfortable with Hollins and Natachu. But I wouldn't bury him yet because. Malik Reed definitely had some promising moments early in the season. Um, Vic Fangio tends to carry eight linebackers and no more than 10. So in that range, a lot of the time I, and I've gone back and looked at the last three years, he tends to carry four and four, but I would not be at all surprised if they carry five edge rushers this year, just because Bob Miller isn't like he's on the back end of 30 now. He did just have COVID. Bradley Chubb's coming off an injury. It would make sense to carry extra depth at edge rusher, especially since those players are more proven. Um, we'll see. And, and then also the fact that Justin Hollins does have the versatility to potentially play off ball. I don't yeah, know if he's ever going to be a good off ball backer, but he has played it. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think Justin Hollins potentially becomes your, your swing guy if you wanted to carry nine instead of eight. Um, and then he could, he could maybe play – both sides potentially, but I think Malik Reed and Jeremy Atachu are for sure locks for the roster. And, and I feel pretty good about the depth at edge rusher. Um, assuming the, you know, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller health is mm-hmm. what we hope it to be throughout the season. And then you also have the seventh rounder. Um, I want to make sure I'm saying his name, up. right? Yeah. And I'm probably saying his name wrong, so don't. don't <laughs> no, it's okay. I think, but I think I, I read the, it. I never hear it. He's interesting. Um, I think he'll probably end up being on the practice squad. I don't know if he'll make the final roster, but with the expanded practice squad, I think there's potential that he could maybe be called up. Or you know, he's a guy that 
can provide some depth as well. And so I think there is some promise at the position, but there isn't a guy at the inside linebacker position that really excites me outside of Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis that I would feel comfortable with him actually coming in and, and starting just because like, and we've talked about it, like the inside linebacker position is such a, I think it's, it's probably one of the harder positions, even though we talk about it being undervalued and not a lot of people are wanting to draft it early on in the, in the top rounds or um, maybe they're not. Well, I mean, you look at a guy like CJ Mosley, he just got a big contract, but there's arguments against that. They're not the most important player on the team. And I get that. But the things that they're asked to do or the attributes that, that are asked of an inside linebacker, it's hard to find a perfect package of that. To your point on defenders needing to be able to Generous. do everything yeah. and be versatile, be Swiss Army nice. I mean, they've got to be able to be up, get up in there and hang against the run and not just physically, but also diagnose the run and the mental aspect of the game. I think that's the biggest part is like you get these super freak athletes from college and you bring them in and they just don't have any of the instincts that a guy like um, even like a Todd Davis brings to the table and the kind of smarts that he brings but then you have guys that that do have that, but they're limited athletically, and so it's it's a tough it's a tough deal to find that total package, and why I think a guy like Roquan Smith was so valuable, and even people like dogged on Roquan Smith for his size. I think there was a lot of stuff because he was only six foot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he people were saying he was you know maybe, maybe a little undersized or something like that, and so I mean people are always going to be knocking linebackers for one thing or another but i do think it's a, it's a hard combo to find everything you're looking for from that um from that guy because of the like everything that's asked of that position so i just want to say right now that i am definitely uh very intrigued by micah parsons from penn state who is not six foot he is six foot three him opting out I'm almost positive that the NFL is going to overthink him and like he'll slide a little bit farther than he probably should. Combined with the fact that he's a linebacker, so people are going to think, oh, he's a linebacker. Let's not draft him in the top five or whatever. So I'm kind of like low-key hoping Denver gets him. But I think I think, I think think it's a priority next year. What do you think? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think you could probably, depending on how the cornerback position shakes out, we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, tackle is one of the top needs, but – I don't think Todd Davis will be on a team next year. Um, just given the fact that, I mean, they're, he and Alexander, Alexander Johnson are both 28, so they're not like super old. But I think just given the contract and the fact that you can move on from him next year, maybe they bring him back for a, a small deal or something just as an insurance policy, uh, depending on how this year shakes out. But I do think that becomes kind of your one of your top lists in the maybe the first three rounds or maybe it's a priority day two pick um, for the Broncos in 2021. So you're telling me I have an excuse to watch some Micah Parsons tape. Yeah, you go for it. Cause I haven't, I haven't touched the linebacker class yet, but I think that kind of puts a pin in it for, um, for this conversation. Let us know your thoughts in the comments, whether on the site or uh, in the podcast comments. And give us your, if you had to pick eight linebackers, um, let's call it eight and we'll make it difficult. If you had to pick eight from the group 
to carry into the season for the final roster, who would yours be? And tell us why. 